Welcome to Un Uninformed. This is Sean Seavey. And my name is Kendall Monette. Each week we bring you current events in 20 minutes or less. We give you the news that matters so you don't feel so dumb around your smart friends. Today we're talking with Dr. Jason Quinn on renewable energy like wind, solar, and hydropower. Jason also gives us a secret on saving the nation millions on power consumption. It's to do with tire pressure. Sounds mysterious. Yeah. But first, let's go over our top headlines. All right. Today, Pope Francis is kicking off the one-year commemoration for the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, and that'll take place in Sweden. At first, I thought it was the 501st anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, but this is a commemoration that will take one year, and he's starting it now because next year, 2017, will be the 500th anniversary. Is that right? That's right. Uh, In the year 1517, that's when Martin Luther posted his, I guess they call it the 95 Theses on what's wrong with the Catholic Church. So from that, Martin Luther was excommunicated, there was the rise of Lutherans in separation from the Catholics, And then we had the Reformation, so all these Protestant religions came from that. Since Catholics and Protestants have a history of never getting along, um, in fact, that has been the cause of tons of contention, wars, whatever, um, this is a big deal. And it's taking place in Sweden, which is dominated by Lutherans. So this kind of has been a theme from what I've seen, Kendall, is that Pope Francis kind of has this theme of reaching out to other faiths, trying to unite Christians rather than uh, talking about our differences. In fact, he's reached out to Muslims. I know a while ago they had a a convention where they invited a Muslim man to talk about family values. So this is a really big symbolic thing here. That's great, and I guess that'll be a really positive story to watch this entire next year. Yeah, and I'm just really excited about the symbolic meaning of this because religious contention has been a theme of the presidential debates it's also the reason for wars across the world and so i think he's really making a statement on the fact that it's more important that we're unified than that we you know say that we're right yeah yeah good stuff coming out of the vatican all right so our next story is about a bit of a controversy you may have seen on social media This is um, the story about the California National Guard members being asked to pay the government back for bonuses that they had going into war. Did you end up seeing this around on Facebook or whatever? Well, I just heard it on the news. and Yeah, obviously people are ticked. Yeah, I thought it was fake at first. I, (laughs) I didn't, I mean, it sounds like something that you couldn't make up, the government asking for money back from its veterans. And these aren't just people who were in the National Guard and never saw duty. These were people who went to Iraq and Afghanistan. And it turns out that the um, Department of Defense had overpaid them on bonuses because the system for giving those bonuses out was mismanaged. But um, apparently the Pentagon was asking for that money back, and it did not go over well. And so the most recent development in that is Secretary of Defense Ash Carter has rebuked the Pentagon and told them to find another way to get that, to find that money rather than asking for it back from the veterans. So they're they're just going to say, hey, uh, my bad. I mean, I think about like fast food and whenever they get my order wrong, they're like, oh, we'll just make you another one. And it's like, score, you know, 
Um, <laughs> this is a little more than just like you know a couple bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I heard a poll recently that the military is one of the only remaining institutions that still has a favorable view in the public eye. Congress, the presidency, a lot of these institutions just are not looked upon very favorably, but the military still is, and so you have to be careful when you're dealing with with uh, the veterans. Yeah, and, and what kind of message are they sending when they're taking away money from veterans that they've already invested in certain things, um, and then months later have to give that money back? It just, people don't plan their finances that way. Yeah. So, Candle, two weeks ago, we were talking about the Republican Party, and we were talking about the rise of a third-party candidate named Evan McMullen. Yeah. I was kind of curious about this guy because he really wants to win Utah, and he feels like he's got a chance. So I showed up to a couple of his rallies uh, in the past couple of weeks. So one of them was a rally that happened in Draper, Utah, near Salt Lake City. And this rally actually ended up on uh, ABC Nightline. I think this is really good for Evan. I mean, he's making it on, uh, on TV, and guess who else is making it on TV? Yours Un, tru- uninformed. <laughs> Yours truly was there. Yeah, so apparently, like, halfway through the interview, or, uh, sorry, halfway through the story, you see, you know, me sitting there uh, clapping my hands, and the, uh, the, the rise of Sean Seavey uh, <laughs> on the coattails of uh, Evan McMullen. <laughs> I did see that. I did see that video. It made me really proud. <laughs> yeah, and and so uh, and so it was kind of a, a cool opportunity. But um, the next thing I went to was a town hall, also near Salt Lake City. Uh, after he gave his speech, and his running mate Mindy Finn gave her speech, then he opened up to questions, and that's where I stood up and raised my hand. So let's listen to a clip of what I asked Evan McMullen last week. Okay, the question I've been thinking in the in the background of this election where we have two unpopular candidates, that's where you've, you've made a big rise. Um, what I want to know is if it wasn't such a stark, stark situation where we had, I don't know, normal <laughs> candidates, uh, tell us how you would stand out even then. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a good question. I appreciate that. So the basic place to start in is that we are true conservatives, okay? That means we want limited government. That means we want to return power to the states. So we need to realign power in this country consistently with the Constitution. So that's something that's different. We also want to open up the economy. Republican leadership have drifted too far into the orbit of major corporations who can handle these big regulations coming their way. You know, a single mother in Washington, D.C., who wants to start a small business braiding hair in her, in her neighborhood with, of her friends and, and sisters and whatnot, she shouldn't have to go through 500 to 1,500 hours of government training in order to do that. But I'll tell you, that exists. And, and we need to be better at that. We need education reform. We need more school choice. We need parents to be empowered to have more of a same curriculum. We need to pay down our national debt. We need to reform entitlements in a way that keeps our obligation to seniors and to people who are retiring soon. But for people like you and me who are going to be working for more decades and living longer, we need to gradually increase the retirement age, and we need to do means testing so that if you have the good fortune of retiring a very wealthy man, you don't necessarily need Social Security checks. Let's make sure that money is available for people who really need it. We need to make these reforms. 
What a special moment. <laughs> For me, because I, I really got, you know, almost three minutes of an answer from a, a short question of mine, which was, yeah, how do you stand out in a normal election? This is kind of a weird one, you know? Yeah, and so basically he was making the argument that he has actual conservative ideas as far as policy. Um, I was interested to hear him talk about some of the social issues. Toward the end, he talked about Social Security and entitlement reform and stuff like that. So um, I actually was just talking with a friend recently about how Evan McMullen doesn't really have much of a social background on, or a background on social issues. But um, that was an interesting twist I haven't heard from him so far. Yeah, and another theme that I've seen um, in how he's different, and this was a big theme in in both the the rally and the town hall I went to, was something they called the new conservative movement, um, moving toward something that we could all be proud of. And uh, people haven't been that proud of the Republican Party, and he's hoping to evolve that. That's actually something I have noticed in his campaign, is that he is calling for better leadership. And I think that appeals to a lot of people who don't like both Clinton and Trump. But he's mostly an anti-Trump candidate, as I've seen it. And so it seems like he really is just mostly appealing to better leadership in the Republican Party. And that's something that I think a lot of people on both sides of the aisle would like to see. Right. All right. And now to our main story with Dr. Jason Quinn. Last week, we covered non-renewables, so things like oil, natural gas, and coal. This week, we're wrapping up with renewables like nuclear power, wind and solar, and hydropower. This year marks the first year ever that renewables have a higher capacity to produce energy than non-renewables. Wait, what, what does that actually mean? So, basically, if you have a solar field, it has a potential to produce this much electricity. Or if you have a big uh, dam that has turbines in it to produce electricity, it has potential to produce this much. So if you take all these dams and solar fields and add them up, the potential of those is greater than the capacity, the potential of all of the coal plants and all of the natural gas energy that we have. So right now, is it actually producing more? Are renewables producing more than non-renewables? No, but the infrastructure is there. So all the plants are there. Um, and so that's, that's a good trend. And I guess 2016 was the tipping point where renewables, as far as capacity, um, outdid non-renewables. Did that make sense? Yeah. All right. So without further ado, let's get back to our discussion on energy with Dr. Jason Quinn. Okay, this one is kind of my favorite, but tell me why it shouldn't be or why it should be. Nuclear. Yeah, so I'll ask you back. Are you talking about fission or are you talking about fusion? <laughs> wow, you just got over and my I'll head. And I'll ask you guys, what is fission and fusion? Because I know one is one and one is the other, but I can't tell them apart sometimes. And you've had <laughs> experience in, uh, you, you, did, you said you did your undergrad in fusion, is that correct? Uh, so I did a master's degree at University of Wisconsin studying high temperature plasmas for nuclear fusion energy research. And so... Um, Fission and fusion, right? So fission is what we have today. Uh, so those are new power plants. We're breaking it apart. We know how to do that really well. Splitting those the atom, the, right? Is that the dumbed-down version? Exactly right. Splitting the atom. That's what we know how to do. And so, you know, nuke engineers get, you, you know, very offended by what I'm about to say. You know, it's hot rocks. That's what we know how to do. We've got <laughs> these hot rocks, <laughs> and then we just boil water with these hot rocks. 
And so, you know, when I, when I look at, um, what we've demonstrated today, we've got nuke power plants. I am a huge proponent of nuke, to be honest, but the volatile environment we live in, how do you protect those systems from airplanes, for example, flying into them? Yeah. I hadn't even considered that. I know the, uh, Fukushima power plant was hit by that tsunami in 2011. So the obvious solution there seems to be don't build it right by the water, but yeah, there is that threat of terrorism to these nuclear power plants. But it's a huge, I mean, it's great, right? It's carbon, it's carbon free. Now, um, fusion energy research is a little, you know, fusion energy is a little bit more complicated. We're fusing atoms together and there's a huge, huge energy release that's associated with that. Um, but we don't really know how to do that quite yet for energy production. But moving from that, as soon as you can solve that problem, you can move to things like a helium three. Uh, a fusion-based reactor, and helium-3 isn't naturally occurring on the Earth, but it's uh, abundant on the moon. So when people talk about mining the moon, that's what we're really talking about. Really? I didn't, so, I didn't know that. So it would I be mining, no it, yeah, wow. mining it for nuclear power, right? That's right. So we'll just we'll fly to the moon real quick, and we'll bring back a bunch of helium-3, and then we'll you know have this great non-radioactive uh, fusion energy device forever. Fantastic. Wow. That is some amazing stuff. If we could move on to the other renewables that people are familiar with, solar, wind, hydro, um, I'd like to start with solar. I actually work in the solar industry. But don't be afraid to say bad things about solar in front of Kendall. Right. (laughs) We want the truth. I'm I'm just in operations. I'm not a salesman. (laughs) Sure. I think solar is great. I mean, solar is really, really great. And so, you know, DOE has this initiative to get to, you know, a dollar a watt. If we can get to solar to be a dollar a watt, then it takes off. Um, I, I mean, there's there, there, the the challenges with solar are that it only works when the sun's up. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> um, no kidding. <laughs> and, and so we really use all of our energy when the sun's up. You know, we come home at five o'clock and turn the lights on. In the wintertime, the sun's not shining at that point in time. And so there are challenges with solar, but gosh, there's some great, uh, solar's great. There's a lot of great things about solar. Uh, so biggest setbacks is just the sun's just not on all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's something we take for granted every day, right? When you come home and you turn on your light switch, right? You expect the lights to come on. And if the lights don't come on, you're not happy, you, you know? And there's other things that we, you, you know, we take for granted. I want to run my washing machine and dryer when I want to run my washing machine and dryer. We don't want the utility telling us when we can do those things. Yeah. And so those, you know, this grid stability is really what, what, what comes into play when we start going into any renewable for that matter. When we start getting to, you know, significant penetration rates on the grid with renewable energy, it, there's uh, challenges associated with grid stability. There's literally next to zero energy storage on the grid. And so what I like to tell people is that if you think the stock market is complicated, you should look into the electrical grid like that. That's complicated. Yeah. Constantly a few hours from meltdown. That's that's right. So if, if you know, if you if you get together a bunch of your friends, you can crash the grid. Right. Really? All you have to do is all all, all you I mean, you have to have a bunch of friends. And so I, I don't have enough to make this happen. But maybe <laughs> I don't think we do either. <laughs> Working is that everybody it. just needs to turn on their, you know, dryers at the exact same time you know, or have them running and then all turn them off at the exact same time, right? You can get these pulses that can have major impacts on the grid. And so an example of this is go into your garage and take your skill saw, right? Turn the lights on in your garage and then plug your skill saw in and then pull the trigger. You'll, you'll see the, the lights dim 
Right. Um, especially if you're on a, you know, a 20 amp circuit, for example. And, and that's an example of, of the grid being like, whoa, what are you doing to me? And then it kind of catches up real quick. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, so since we're all here and we have, you know, a few listeners on, on, on uninformed, um, everybody, uh, Tuesday night, Eastern, and no, I'm just kidding, but what if we tried this? <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. And that really would get this podcast off the ground <laughs> because people would be talking about us. Or put us in the dark ages, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about crashing the grid, and now nobody's going to be able to listen. You're kind of going wrong, right? <laughs> oh, you're right. That's counterproductive. Let's see. Wind. Do you have anything to say about wind that we haven't already said about solar? Sure. So. When you think of wind, what are the what, what's the negative thing that's associated with wind? I, uh, I've heard about killing birds. No way, <laughs> killing birds, right? And so, if I were if I if I were to give you a list of things, so you know, we can say wind, cars, windows, cats, you know, car, you know, of those four things, you know, what what kills the most number of birds? Cats. It's probably cats, right? <laughs> what what kills the least number of birds? Wind, wind, wind turbines, wind. actually. Your your cars kill more birds than wind turbines do annually, but we're not on a rampage to make people stop driving cars, right? <laughs> and I've killed some birds. <laughs> it, it is, and windows are even worse, right? And so here's the funny thing, right? Wind got that, you know, this is similar to the fracking thing, is that wind got the, the, the label as being a bird whacker from the wind turbines that were installed in the 70s during the oil embargo or crisis, uh, in California, and they were lattice towers, and they were high-speed turbines. And so lattice towers, gosh, that's a great place for birds to nest. <laughs> and then the turbines were very high-speed turbines compared to what we have today. Oh. And so that installation really kind of, that, that misnomer has really labeled wind as, you know, these bird whackers. And so at one point in time, they were. But like I said, the vehicles you're driving around in now are killing more birds than wind turbines are <laughs> so i'm a huge proponent of wind i think that it's definitely a part of the answer it has the same negative aspects as solar in terms of it's you know very unpredictable we can predict it a day you know a day a couple hours out but it's not a sustained power source if you will yeah. um, but it's definitely part of the solution in my opinion good and i guess our last one would be hydro yeah, so hydro, I, I love rivers. I'm a huge river rafter. It's like what I enjoy doing in my spare time, right? So I, I'm, I'm super anti-dam these days, but that's for my own personal recreation <laughs> purposes. Uh, hydro in the United States is pretty well tapped. Um, we're not really building any new hydro stuff, mainly due to the negative environmental impacts that are associated with building uh, these large dams. If you look at hydro, you know, since the signing of the Declaration of Independence, there's been a dam built every day. Um, And that stretches everything from large dams such as Hoover Dam down to small agricultural dams for livestock, right? Um, But hydro in the United States is pretty well tapped, but it is, it's the best, it's the very best in terms of renewable energy. Um, It can provide peak power, can provide baseload power, it's predictable. Uh, so there's a lot of really great things about hydro, but like I said, it's pretty well tapped in the United States. Um, okay. So putting this all together, what can we do to be smarter about energy? You talked about uh, climate change and things like that. Yeah. What can we do on a large scale, you know, as a nation and what can we do on a small scale? Yeah. So I'll start with individuals, right? So 
you know, all, as individuals, we just need to inflate our tires. What? <laughs> um, and so what I mean by that is that energy conservation, I think, is the answer, at least on a small scale, right? And so when I talk about inflating tires, you know, most people run underinflated tires. And so in the United States, you know, we waste 3% of all the oil we consume on the fact that our tires and our vehicles are underinflated. No way. Um, don't, don't, don't worry about the fact that, you know, it's, it's, you know, safer to have inflated tires. You can stop quicker. You know, you might be saving lives, but you're, you can save money. You can save energy by just inflating your tires, checking your tire pressure every month. So I, I was a part of the, the TEDx series at Utah State University. And there's a four minute TEDx talk specifically that I did on inflating your tires. And so the, the takeaway here is that, you know, energy conservation is huge. That's where it starts, you know, and so I think that, all these technologies can have two, three percent impacts. Energy conservation have two, three percent impacts. Well, you add 10 of those up and all of a sudden we're at 20, 30 percent impacts. Right. So, you know, it, it starts with all of us, you know, turning the lights off, replacing lights for, for LEDs and um, inflating our tires and, and just making conscientious decisions when it comes to energy. You, you guys both have cars, I assume. Right. When was the last time you checked the pressure in your tires? Ah, uh, You got me. I I have not, and it's been over a month. See, you're part of the problem, right? And it's coming <laughs> in winter, right? And so things are getting colder, you know, so air pressure, so the pressure is decreasing just as a function of temperature. Don't even worry about leaks. Right. Deflate gate. Yeah, what? yeah there you go. Deflate gate, right? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. That's what's going on here. And so, you know, if, 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 you, if you just think, like, I've got a tire gauge in my car and there's a gas station I go to specifically because there's free air there and I check it every month. Once a month. That's what I, I just trying to do my part. Okay, and I was being generous. It's been more than a month. So I commit <laughs> that this week I will get a tire gauge and figure that out to save. I will find mine and figure it out as well. It's For the, little... the sake of three percent to save the world, uh, you know, the world's energy and save my pocket, really. That's what it comes down to, right? Is people don't do things unless it impacts the pocketbook, and so. You know, I I believe that renewables, they need to be economically viable, right? That's what we need for them to be adopted, and I support that. And so, you know, in, in terms of tires on your vehicle, it, it's going to save you money in the end. I mean, you won't notice it, you know, over the course of a year, if you keep track, you'd notice it. But, you know, from fuel up to fuel up, you probably won't notice, but it's it's the right thing to do. Trust me. That's fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. It's awesome. So I think the takeaway here is, first, everybody inflate their tires and second, everybody turn on their washing machine or their dryer Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm going to definitely endorse the tires. That's for sure. I'll endorse <laughs> the tires. Hey, Jason, thanks so much for being on our show. We really appreciate uh, your perspective on this as an engineer and as a person who likes uh, rivers. I think your perspective is really interesting, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show. Well, perfect. You got to remember, I'm one guy, one opinion, and you know, I think the anytime we can get people talking and and starting to take action in terms of conservation or um, energy policy or installing photovoltaics or, or, or you know driving hybrid electric vehicles, you know, or thinking about all these things, I think it's 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 the right thing. So so I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity. All right, a huge thank you to Jason for joining us. If you have comments or questions please let us know. We always love interacting with our audience on Facebook, or you can write us a review on iTunes, and that really helps us out. If you like our show, rate us on iTunes, because people are more likely to find our show if we have a bunch of ratings. So 
Um, my dad has been really generous in leaving a review, but come on, we could get more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as always, you can find us on Facebook or visit our website at ununinformed.com. That's un-uninformed.com. Hey, thanks, guys.